Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, we are continuing our interview with the Executive Director of Root Source, Gidon Ariel. In the first part of this two-part interview, we discussed Gidon's background and his motivation to start Root Source as an outreach to build common understanding and better friendships between Jews and Christians. We now resume the interview with a look at some polling data from Pew Research. But uh, I was looking at rootsource.com. There's a hyphen in there, listeners. Uh, you published just this morning a, a link to some polling data by the Pew Research Foundation regarding how American Jews uh, either follow or don't follow certain traditions and how they view Israel generally. And, and you and I, Gidon, had uh, previously talked about this phenomenon that Pew Research somewhat confirms, which is that Many American Jews, and particularly those who I think align with the Democrats in America, are not very pro-Israel. They say that America is too much pro-Israel in their opinion. And I was intrigued, and I will confess a little troubled by that. Maybe some listeners are as well. I wanted to ask if you would shed some light on that from your perspective. Again, again, I'm going to ask how much time do we have, because it's a very complex question. Yes, sir. Go, Go ahead. The, the, um, the Again, I, I can only talk from my perspective and, and the way I see history. Uh, the Jewish people were living, for the most part, uh, in ghettos. Maybe it wasn't always called a ghetto, but we were living in our own shtetlach. We were, only, we were always living in our own little communities. And uh, there were like walls, either physical or uh, theoretical walls surrounding these Jewish communities. And I, I think it was like that in, in other communities as well. And so if you were different, too different from other people in your community, then you might be excommunicated by your community. Yes, we're talking about up until a few hundred years ago. And if you'd be excommunicated by your community, you'd have to, you'd have, uh, you'd do it because you say, well, I don't believe in God, or I want to be a Christian, or I don't want to uh, follow the Sabbath laws or something like that. They say, listen, Buster, if you don't want to, if you don't want to follow Sabbath, go go find another place to live on the Sabbath. <laughs> so if somebody would do that, they'd have to leave the ghetto's walls and and go out where where the uh, non-Jews weren't weren't very uh, um, uh, hugging, if you will, weren't very embracing. So not too many people did that. So for so. While so, so basically, what were some of those things that you had to follow while you were still in the ghetto? You had to believe in God. You had to follow God's rules. You had to follow the Jewish uh, laws, and uh, and you had to not have anything to do with Christians. <laughs> there were a little bit more than just those four. Um, but then, about two, three hundred years ago, people were, were opening up, not only on the Jewish side but on the Christian side, and so that brought a lot. And that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that, you know, when I'm a free, I have freedom of choice. The people outside aren't so bad. And so I'm going to try something new. And so you had an avalanche of people leaving traditional Judaism already in the, uh, in Europe. And then uh, I was just looking this up the other day. 
in the turn of the century between the 1880s and, and, the, and the 1920s, you had 40 years of over a million Jews emigrating to the United States from Europe. I believe something like 30% of European Jews emigrated to the United States. Incredible. You came to a place, you didn't know the language, you didn't have any food or money, you didn't have anything. You just had uh, some old, old uh, relative that uh, if you were lucky, he would, would be as welcoming to you as his relative was to him. But you had to live in, uh, in tenements, you know, 10, three families to a one bedroom apartment, that kind of thing. And uh, you had to go to find work because if you didn't work, you're not going to eat. And so what kind of work could you find? You go and find the work uh, in, a, in a factory or something like that. The factory boss would tell you, if you don't come in on Saturday, don't bother coming in on Sunday. Now, why would you not come in on Saturday? Because you were a observant, Sabbath observing Jew. And of course, why would he tell you not to come in on Sunday? Because they work seven days a week in those days. None of those two-day weekends. So you had no choice but to break down. This is, of course, if you were religious in the first place. Many of these Europeans were already not religious, which means that you came to America. It's a new country. Leave your, leave your old-fashioned tradi Jewish traditions back in the ocean. Throw your... Torah scroll into uh, uh, the East River. So you had a tremendous, if the word is right, bloodletting. You had, you had a, a tremendous bleeding of traditional Jewry until the 1950s, where Orthodox Jewry was like uh, a handful of people. And even them, they were barely religious themselves because the rabbis would say, I don't care if you're not following Sabbath. I don't care if you're not doing this. Just come and pay a few dues to our synagogue mm. <laughs> so we can do something. So the, the idea of religious Judaism was not very strong in the 50s. It, when, when American Jewry came, came, uh, came, to, came about. And not, then you also had the, uh, the liberal movements of the 60s. You know, the, I won't mention any of them by name, but there were plenty of stuff like that. Jews in general, traditionally, always were at the vanguard of, uh, of new movements because the Jewish soul thirsts for ideology. Interesting. Uh, religion, religion is an ideology, of course. But if, if uh, it's not stylish to be a religious Jew, then you're going to try to look for some other ideology. And uh, when liberalism was just starting out in the 50s and in the 60s and in the 70s like that, then uh, the Jews were at the vanguard of it. I think that it had a lot to do also with um, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, who was the uh, president, of course, during the uh, Second World War. And the Jews were very grateful to Roosevelt for winning the war. Now, uh, since then, there, uh, there have been some studies that have come out that Roosevelt wasn't all that happy to save Jews. He could have saved more Jews, but at least he won the, we finished the war and somehow we su su survived the Holocaust. And so they're, they're very grateful to FDR.
Again, today, if you ask uh, a 20-year-old a Democrat, are you, are you a Democrat because of FDR? They'll say, well, who the heck, what is FDR? <laughs> right. But, uh, but the, 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 tradition, the tradition of being a Democrat goes back a long time. Problem is, is my father's Democratic Party is not my, my son's Democratic Party. <laughs> yes, sir. That's true. Um, it's going further and further left. And I, I think in every aspect, leftists are always leftist first and whatever else they identify as a distant second at best. But I mentioned before that to me, it, it makes perfect sense that America and Israel should be good friends, that Christians and Jews should be good friends. Our country, the United States of America, was founded on what we commonly call the Judeo-Christian ethic. And if you'll indulge me for just a couple of minutes, I'm going to share some quotes, particularly for the listeners, from the founding of this nation through more modern times, where our leaders were emphasizing this point, because it is an important point. We'll start with the Constitutional Convention back in 1787. Benjamin Franklin gets up and addresses the delegates, and he said, quote, I have lived, sir, he's talking to George Washington, I've lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And we have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it, unquote. And that, that was from Psalm 127, of course. John Quincy Adams, sixth president, said, quote, the first and almost the only book deserving of universal attention is the Bible. And I speak as a man of the world. I say to you, search the scriptures, unquote. And his successor, President Jackson, noted of the scriptures, that book is the rock on which our republic rests, unquote. Abraham Lincoln said, in regard to this great book, I have to say this, it is the best gift God has given to man, unquote. U.S. Grant almost spoke like a rabbi. He said, hold fast to the Bible as the anchor of your liberties. Write its precepts on your hearts. Practice them in your lives, unquote. Calvin Coolidge recognized this Judeo-Christian heritage and its importance. He said, quote, the foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings in the Bible, it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in this country, unquote. And finally, President Harry S. Truman stated just bluntly in his Harry S. Truman way, quote, the fundamental basis of this nation's laws were given to Moses on the Mount, and the fundamental basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings we get from Exodus and also from St. Matthew, from Isaiah, and also from St. Paul, unquote. So I just... Uh, making that point about our heritage, our common Judeo-Christian ethic that binds us together here in the United States and is the foundation for our liberties. How could we have equality but for the fact that the Creator created all of us? Uh, what what do you make of that, Gidon? First of all, uh, I'll hold that question for a second and ask you please to repeat uh, Coolidge's quote. Uh, President Calvin Coolidge, quote, the foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them, those foundations, if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in this country, unquote. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that up on my wall because that's what we seem to be seeing exactly in, in uh, the United States today and, frankly, in Israel also. Yes, sir. All over the world. The, 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 uh, the, um, the, the effort to say, listen, I'm throwing off the shackles of God, which uh, were thrown off hundreds of years ago. But uh, uh, in those days, you can say, well, I don't have to believe in God in order to be a moral person. But today we say I'm throwing off the morals also. I, I might I don't think anybody likes to say I'm not a moral person, but they say your morals and my morals don't go don't, don't stick your nose into my morals. I'll be as moral as I see it, not as you see it. It's a it's a it's a big problem, I think. The 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 idea of having a, a shared uh basis, foundation. Uh, if if you don't have a, a, a shared foundation, then then you don't have anything shared. Yes, sir. How can you have a standard of right and wrong if there's no standard bearer, the creator who made those laws? If I have to listen to uh, some temporarily elected official tell me the difference between right and wrong, that is temporal. That can't be good. But if it's coming from the creator of the universe who made me and you and everyone else, in that I can see equality. And in that I can see authority. The creator must have authority over us. Uh, just as a matter of natural course. So, so that's what I'm thinking. There was a thing that was, uh, I don't know how popular it was uh, in the uh, turn of the previous century called humanistic Judaism. Mm. These were people who wanted to keep certain things about Judaism, but throw away certain things like the existence of God. <laughs> but in order to be accepted, yeah, it's hard to imagine. In, in order to be accepted, they had to hold on to some things and say, listen, you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to believe in and the fact that he might punish you. But the idea of being nice to each other, the values, interpersonal values and stuff like that, oh yes, absolutely, even more so. So in those days, that's the way it was then. Today, they, they, they some might pay lip service to it, but there's just, just so much um, absence of, of interpersonal values. Uh, in the old days, you could say, okay, listen, I don't uh, believe in God, but I believe in, um, in man, mankind's uh, goodness towards man. But today, you don't even see that. Today, you say, you believe in, in, in God? Ah, according to the latest, it doesn't have to be so late, um, a identity politics handbook, that means you're on the other side. Mm -hmm. Forget it. You're the enemy. So, so before I even open my mouth, you're calling me an enemy and not trying to find place that we can work together to try to find things that we have in common. Okay, you don't believe in God. Okay, you believe in a different God than I do. Okay, we don't believe exactly the same thing. Listen, we're, we're, all of us know that there are different uh, opinions, that's fine. But let's try to find what we do agree upon. That say statement, let's try to find what we do agree upon. I don't think you could, I don't think you could Google it and, and come up with more than 10 results nowadays. It is a challenge, and it makes no sense to me. People want to be in acrimonious relations with others and that that's just not a way to live well it also uh not only makes sense to me that america and israel should be good friends and i think we are traditionally and uh and hopefully uh we will remain so you know presidents come and go i would say that our previous one was the most pro-israel president we've had in quite a while uh yeah. but People can differ on that. Those guys are all temporary employees anyway. 
But it also makes sense to me, and this is really important for uh, talking about root source, as, as I see your mission and what you've explained to me, that Jews and Christians, Christians and Jews, should also be great friends and family. And that the man that we Christians uh, recognize in our faith as Messiah is Jewish. And his entire earthly heritage goes back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and through David. He told us explicitly, uh, Matthew recorded this, one of his followers, quote, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, unquote. So we as Christians who are following this man who said that should also uphold those and say, this is our heritage. This is where we come from. This is why we are who we are. So it makes sense to me that we should be good friends. Well, again, Clay, from what I've seen from, again, I don't go to church every Sunday, <laughs> but when I'm visiting in the States and I'm visiting with friends and I have an opportunity to go to church and to experience it a bit, then I do. And I try to go, I usually go to the churches of my friends, so they're more Jewish-friendly churches, I'm sure. Uh, sometimes they're quoting from the Old Testament, and often, usually they're quoting from the New Testament, they're preaching from the New Testament. But if you, you don't have to scratch much to say, listen, when you say New Testament and Old Testament, the new doesn't come to uh, replace the Old Testament, but to be built upon that Old Testament. The Old Testament is the foundation. Yes, sir. And, one, and especially, especially if you read the New Testament, again, I'm not a, I don't know the whole New Testament off by heart, but I've read enough of it, and there are a couple of editions of the New Testament that do a very good job of, of bolding the quotes from the Old Testament. And that, in my, in my, I have a copy like that, it's virtually every page. So how could you, look into the New Testament and say, ah, the, the first three quarters of this book, I'm not interested in it. No, you can say, wow, I think I'm going to start from the beginning of the book. <laughs> and yes. then people read from the book of Genesis. Uh, they spend, if they're going to read uh, something like about, how much about uh, uh, 1,500 chapters. So let's say they read three chapters a day, something like that, that they manage. So they're going to finish the whole Old and New Testament in one year. It's not easy. Uh, maybe it even takes four or five chapters a day. But but it'll take them until September or so, and they haven't even touched the New Testament yet. <laughs> it's true. But of course, from, from our perspective uh, as Christians, th those of us who appreciate everything that you just said, which is all true and we should appreciate, um, we see the law and the prophets pointing to and the festivals and the observations pointing to this one we call Messiah. And that of course is, is universally between both of our faith traditions, what they're pointing to. The difference is, do we recognize this one as fulfilling that or do we not? But uh, it is all a unified whole. It is, they're not distinct. They are intrinsic to one another. There might be some passages and some verses in the Old Testament that uh, you and I will look at them and say, well, this means that. And I'll say, no, that means it doesn't mean that. But there are so many more 
that say, of course, that means the same thing. And there are now more and more Christians who are saying, listen, obviously, Gideon thinks differently about understanding the Old Testament. He's Jewish. I'm Christian. What can I do? But like you said, Jesus is also Christ, Jewish. <laughs> and so when he read the Old Testament and when his contemporaries, all of his friends and neighbors and, and teachers and students would read the Old Testament, they were reading it from a Jewish eye. So he might have given a, a new meaning to some of those verses, but what about the old meaning that also has, has significance? I would love to hear how a Jew understands those meanings. I'll disagree with him perhaps, but at least I'll learn it. And, and, I, and that is what we do at Root Source in, in many of our, of our teachings. And so many of our students say, wow, that adds so much depth to my relationship with Jesus. Yes, sir. And that's so valuable. And that's why I uh, am honored to highlight Root Source and you, Gidon, uh, and as part of my uh, podcast here, as, as limited as it may be. Uh, I hope many people will uh, share this and also go to root-source.com. Uh, there's great resources there. It really is uh, the, the word you used, yeshiva, uh, the, the, yeah. a school. Uh, and uh, so I just wanted to ask you as we're wrapping up, what is ahead on the horizon for Root Source? Okay, first of all, what is ahead on the horizon for Root Source is that any and hopefully all of your listeners will not be bashful and will reach out to me. I'd love to be just like your friends. I'd like to be friends with anybody who wants to be friends with me. And so I hope that they will contact me either through the contact us on that website or get on at rootdarsource.com. Uh, we are looking forward now to, like I said, uh, multiplying our listenership or our uh, watchership or whatever, viewership, um, by, uh, by 10 and 100 times. Today we have about 15,000 subscribers to our newsletter. And so we hope to multiply that to 150,000 by 10. And if we can get to a million and a half, that also is doable. I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, holding my breath, but uh, for God, anything is possible. Yes, sir. But no, no less important than that, and in, in a way much more important than that, is to bring more Jews on board. Because up until a few years, decades ago, there were a handful of Jews, of, of Orthodox Jews. I'm talking about Jews who take their faith seriously and Christians who take their faith seriously. Because for, uh, if I could use the word lukewarm, the people who have lukewarm faith, both from Christians and Jews, you've had that in the, in the 50s and in the 60s and in the 40s. Yeah, let's say, wait, what, what's the difference between us? The church, that, the, the, the house of worship that you go to, you go to on Sunday, we go to on Saturday, and frankly, we don't mind going on Sunday either. We're the same, really. We're all completely the same. So, so we, you and I, who are very uh, adamant about our identities, we know that we're not the same. We're not, we're, not, we're not saying, oh, come on, we're all the same. No, 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 we're not the same. But we can try to find the points that we agree upon and to build upon them. And that is what I'm trying to do, both from the Jewish perspective and from the Christian perspective. 
We are going to continue to put out more and more uh, lessons, recorded lessons. Today we have over a thousand lessons, about 70 different courses. We are hopefully going to uh, uh, find uh, joint ventures with uh, seminaries and perhaps universities so that our courses will be, you'll be able to get credits towards uh, continuing education. Looking forward to that. Uh, maybe we'll be able to bring Christian groups to Israel so that they'll be able to read the Bible through their feet. And we're, we're also publishing more and more books through Root Source Press. Today, I think we're up to about 10 books that we published. Uh, it's all there on the website. Get Go to the website, check it out, and uh, ask me uh, again what's what's uh, on the uh What's on the horizon? Well, that's that's very encouraging, and I'm cheering you on. I latched on to one of the uh, adjectives you used in your description there. Uh, you, you said something about being lukewarm, and of course you are not, and I appreciate that. It reminded me of a uh, passage from the Revelation when, when John was on the island of Patmos and he, he had these visions. He, he saw the Lord speaking to various churches, and to one of them in Laodicea, He said, I know your deeds, you people in this church, and you're neither cold nor hot. You're just lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And uh, that's just so graphic. God's not about being lukewarm. He's like, uh, make up your mind, right? (laughs) So that's a good good lesson. Well, get on, Ariel. Thank you so much for joining me on Core Principles. And uh, shalom. Shalom, shalom. Looking forward to coming back again. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.